0: Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for the word that you brought to us um, through your spirit. We thank you for the truth that can be found in it and the life that we have through it. Um, So Lord, we pray that you might bless us today as we listen to your word. Give us wisdom um, and allow us to apply it through your lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, So John 10, verses 1 to 21, uh, the good shepherd and his sheep. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But the others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord.
1: Is anyone really confused after that Bible reading? Well, that wouldn't be surprising because in John 10, Jesus spoke a parable. What's a parable? A parable is a teaching tool that uses some form of a familiar imagery to convey a hidden message. And so if you didn't understand the hidden message, the parable would probably make no sense to you. right? Are you, the parable would in fact make you really confused. And that wouldn't be surprising. You might think that Jesus was just speaking a bunch of irrelevant nonsense. Or, using the language of the Jews in verse 20, you might even think that Jesus was demon-possessed. So that's the big question for today. Was Jesus demon-possessed? Let's take a closer look at the parable. So please keep your Bibles open at John 10. Now, for this parable in particular, Jesus uh, used the familiar imagery of uh, sheep farming, which is basically how a shepherd looks after his sheep. Uh, sheep farming was very familiar for the Jews at the time, but it's very foreign to us. So let me try to explain as we go. In verse 1, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, Is a thief and a robber. Now, shepherds would keep their sheep in a sheep pen. It's like a house for the sheep. Now, there'll be a fence that surrounds the sheep pen, kind of like how you have a fence around your house. And there'll also be a gate to let the sheep come in and out of the sheep pen, just like how you have a front door or a front gate. That kind of makes sense to us, right? Now, who would enter a house not by the door, but by climbing over the fence. That's right, a thief and a robber. But on the contrary, in verse 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. But how do we know that this guy is indeed the real shepherd? Well, verse 3 tells us that the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The gatekeeper is kind of like a security guard or a bouncer at a bar. Right? Their job is to usher in the right person and to keep out the wrong person. they usher in those who are over 18 and they keep out those who are under 18. And likewise, a gatekeeper ushers in the shepherd of the sheep and keeps out anyone else. So if the gatekeeper opens the gate for someone, we know that that person must be the shepherd. How else can we know who the real shepherd is? Well, look at verse 3 and 4. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So the shepherd knows the names of his sheep, and his sheep knows the voice of their shepherd. right? So when he calls out his own sheep by name, his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. And in contrast to that, in verse 5, the sheep, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So it's pretty simple, right? Whoever the sheep listens to and follow, that person is the real shepherd. Whoever the sheep run away from, that person is a stranger. And he is not the shepherd. This is how we can know who the real shepherd is. But why did Jesus tell this parable to the Pharisees? I mean, what was he trying to say? Was he just talking nonsense and demon-possessed? Well, verse verse 6 tells us that Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So clearly, Jesus was trying to say something, but the Pharisees just didn't understand what it was. And thankfully, in his kindness, Jesus went on to expand on the parable. He explained it a bit. But it's like building a puzzle. You have no idea what the full picture looks like until you put the puzzle together piece by piece. And so let's put the pieces together and start by looking at verses 7 to 10. And that's our first point. Jesus is the gate. Now, this is a really weird place to start. Because I don't know about you, but I was definitely expecting Jesus to say that he was that shepherd. That would make a lot of sense. But instead, in verse 7, Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. That's like a major plot twist. How come Jesus is not the shepherd, but instead he is the gate? Well, what does it mean for Jesus to be the gate? He explains it in verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So again, the gate is where the, is how the sheep can come in and go out of the sheep pen to find pasture. Uh, and the pasture is what sheep eat. It's like their food. So what does this image represent? Well, Imagine you've been home alone for two weeks. Uh, you've eaten all the food in your house, in the pantry, in the fridge, and there's absolutely nothing left for you to eat in the house. What are you going to do? Well, I'd imagine at one point, eventually, you'll have to go out of your house and go to Coles or Woolies and buy some groceries. Eventually, you need to go out of your front door, maybe even your front gate of the house and find some food to eat. And for the sheep, it's very similar. Finding pasture is the same as finding food. And since food is what keeps you alive, finding pasture essentially means finding life. But for the Jews, this imagery of finding life isn't just the physical sense of being alive, but it's also the spiritual sense of, been alive before God. Now the Jews believed that they were spiritually dead before God. Right by their rejection of God, they were cut off from God, who is the Author of life. Because of their sin, they were separated from God. Uh, there's a children's book that captures this idea really well. The book is called "The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross." And throughout the whole history of Israel, God repeats the same line over and over again. And he says to Israel, because of your sin, you can't come in. So as sinful people, the Jews can't enter God's presence because God is a holy God. And sinners can't approach a holy God. And since God is the author of life, losing access to God's presence means losing access to life. No god, no life. So how can sinful Jews enter God's presence once more and be made alive again? Well, they need a way to they need some sort of way to regain that access to God. And this 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 way is symbolized by the gate. To put it plainly, the sheep that we have seen so far are the Jews or the Israelites. The sheep pen is the Jewish nation, or the house of Israel. The pasture is where the Jews can have life, where they can be in God's presence. And the gate is how the Jews can have access to God, to be with God, and have life. Now, the Jews thought that they can have access to God by obeying the law of Moses. That's what they thought. But There was a problem. The problem was that it was impossible. Right? It was impossible because they constantly failed to obey the law. For example, when they first received the Ten Commandments, do you remember what the first thing they did was? The first thing they did was worship a golden calf and thereby breaking the first two commandments. That was the first thing they did after receiving the Ten Commandments. Right? There were sinful people who constantly failed to obey the law and that's why they had to offer sacrifices for the forgiveness of their sins that's why they can't uh, enter the most holy place in the temple because that was where god's presence was they can't go in right that's why there was this massive curtain that separated the jews from the full presence of god in the in the most holy place and the curtain was a constant reminder to them that because of your sin You can't come in. So the law of Moses can't give the Jews access to God. But Jesus can. In verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus is saying that he is the gate for the Jews to have access to God. That the Jews can have life, not through the law of Moses, but through the gate that is Jesus. But Jesus also warns about the Jew, uh, warns the Jews about the thieves and robbers. Look at verse 8. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Who are these thieves and robbers? Well, let me suggest that the thieves and robbers in this particular parable are referring to the Pharisees. Do you remember what we saw in John 9 last week? Uh, Why don't we all flip back a page? Is it back a page? Yeah, flip back a page to page 869. In verse 7, we see that Jesus healed a man born blind on a Sabbath day. Uh, But, in verse 16, the Pharisees got angry at Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. Uh, They accused him of being a sinner because they thought he was breaking the law of Moses. And then, in verse 24, the Pharisees threatened the blind man to admit that Jesus was a sinner, that he wasn't from God. But, in verse 30, 30 and 33, the blind man defended Jesus. And he didn't listen to the Pharisees. He didn't submit to their threats. And now we finally know why he defended Jesus, despite the Pharisees threatening him. It's because he is, a she- he is a sheep of the shepherd. And his sheep do not listen to thieves and robbers. Remember, in John 10 verse 5, they will run away from a stranger because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. So what did the Pharisees do in the end? Well, they do what thieves do best. Look at chapter 9, verse 34. They threw the man out of the synagogue. Now, the synagogue was where the Jews gathered uh, as a place to have access to God's presence. So by throwing the man out of the synagogue, it's like throwing someone out of the church. Right? The Pharisees were taking away this man's access to God. They were stealing and killing and destroying God's sheep. So Jesus says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the Pharisees were the thieves who have come to take life, but Jesus is the gate who has come to give life. Now, I bet you're all wondering, how does Jesus give life? Well, let's put the puzzle pieces together by looking at verses 11 to 18, where we finally get to hear what we've been expecting this whole time. And that's our second point, that Jesus is the good shepherd. In verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, a shepherd's job is basically to take care of the sheep in every possible way that you can think of, right? They feed the sheep, they protect the sheep from danger, uh, they heal the wounded and injured sheep. But there are two types of people who would do uh, the job of a shepherd, right? There's the actual shepherd, and there's the hired hand who takes care of the sheep on behalf of the shepherd. And Jesus is claiming to be the shepherd. And not just any shepherd, but the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep. That is the extent to which he will go to look after his sheep, to take care of his sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd because of his self-sacrificial love for the sheep. Now, this good shepherd is a clear contrast to the hide hand. Uh, Read with me from verse 12. The hide hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hide hand and cares nothing for the sheep. The hide hand is not self-sacrificial like the shepherd who owns the sheep. Rather, he is self-serving. He would abandon the sheep when his own life is at risk. He cares nothing for the sheep. He only cares for himself. Now, this description of the high hand reminds me of uh, Ezekiel chapter 34. Reminds me of the uh, the shepherds of Israel. I think they're on the screen. Let's have a look. because there was no shepherd. Now these shepherds of Israel were referring to the leaders of Israel. Uh, They were meant to be the shepherds who looked after God's people. But these leaders, they were not doing their job, just like the Pharisees. They only took care of themselves. They didn't care about the flock. I mean, if they did, why just like the Pharisees. They were just like the hired hand that cares nothing for the sheep. So what will God do about this? Well, in Ezekiel, in the same chapter, in verse 20 and 23, God says, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he would tend them. He would tend them and be their shepherd. With this in mind, Jesus says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and i know the father and i laid down my life for the sheep jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep his relationship with his sheep is is so intimate and, and full of love that it's just like his relationship with god the father And he is not like the hired hand. When the wolves come for the sheep, the good shepherd doesn't run away. Instead, he puts his own life on the line to fight off the wolves to save his sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd who protects and saves his sheep from grave danger. And likewise, the Jews are also in grave danger. The Jews are in grave danger because the Pharisees were preventing them from following Jesus. right? If you look over to chapter 9, and you look at verse 22 in chapter 9, they had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. But of course, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the servant of David that we saw in Ezekiel. Jesus is the good shepherd. So the good shepherd does what he does best. He lays down his life for the sheep to be saved. And Jesus allowed himself to be killed by the Pharisees. Look at verse 17 and 18. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. You see, Jesus lays down his life willingly, right? It's not as if his life was taken by accident or taken by surprise. No, 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 he laid down his life willingly. And he laid down his life in particular when he allowed himself to die on the cross. And he died on the cross so that even if the Pharisees threw him out of the synagogue, sorry, threw his sheep out of the synagogue, that they can still have access to God, that they can still have life. So Jesus laid down his life, laid down his life so that his sheep can have life in return and have access to God. Do you know what happened the moment that Jesus died on the cross? Matthew, Mark, and Luke all write this. They say that when Jesus breathed his last The curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. The curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. And so God no longer says, because of your sin you can't come in, Instead, God says, because Jesus died, you can come in. You can come in and go out and find pasture and find life. This is how sinners can have access to God, through the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. But is it only the Jews who can have access to God? No. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. And so his sheep are not only those from the house of Israel, from the sheep pen, but also from the entire world. Even here in Melbourne, where we are 14,000 kilometers from Jerusalem, from the temple. Even right now in 2019, when we are 2,000 years from that moment when Jesus died on the cross. We too can be part of his flock. We too can have access to God and have access to life. And so anyone can be a sheep of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. But not everyone is part of his flock. Remember, when the Shepherd calls, only his sheep follow him. The Good Shepherd has a voice that divides. Look at verse 19 to 21. The Jews heard, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Many Jews thought that Jesus was demon-possessed and talking nonsense. Many Jews thought that. But they didn't understand because they were not his sheep. And here comes the other plot twist. Back in the day, a sheep pen would be used by multiple shepherds to keep all their sheep in the same sheep pen. That's why in verse 3 it says, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So some sheep are his own, and some sheep are not his own. Only his own sheep knows his voice. So Jesus is not demon-possessed. No. Jesus is the good shepherd who is calling out to his sheep, Jesus is the good shepherd who is gathering his sheep to follow him and to have life in him. So let me ask you, do you know the voice of the good shepherd? Or, in other words, are you Jesus' sheep? Or are you not Jesus' sheep? And this is the most important question that you can ask in your entire life. Because the answer to this question determines whether or not you even have life. If you are a sheep of the good shepherd, then he leads you to have life but if if you are not a sheep of the good shepherd then you still you still don't have access to god right you are still separated from god and you are still dead in your sins and so you need jesus who is the good shepherd who lays down his life so that you can be forgiven of your sins and be reconciled to god and have life through Him. But if you already know His voice, if you are His sheep, then let's do what sheep do best. Let's listen to His voice, and let's follow Him. Let's follow the Good Shepherd in the same way that He loves His sheep. And one way we can love each other is by speaking the shepherds' words into each other's lives. To speak God's word into each other's lives. Why? Because there are thieves and robbers out there, like the Pharisees, who want to steal us away from God. Like the Pharisees, people want to tell us, some people want to tell us, that Jesus isn't the gate to find life, that you can find life by doing good works, that life is all about being a good person. Of course, God's word does call us to do good works, to be like the good shepherd, like in 2 Timothy uh, 3. But we are not saved by doing good works. We are saved by entering through Jesus, who is the gate. And so there's a very, very fine line between teaching that is helpful and teaching that is heretical, And so that's why we must know the Bible so well that we can tell what teaching is in which category. What teaching sounds like the shepherd's voice and what teaching sounds like a stranger's voice. We must know the Bible that well. And so why don't we all lay down our lives by speaking God's word into each other's lives? I mean, that's how we can love each other. And that's how we can love the good shepherd. In the last chapter of John, in John 21, Jesus asks Peter the same question three times. And Peter kind of gets annoyed at one point. He asks Peter, do you love me? And every time Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep feed my sheep. And so if you claim to love Jesus as your good shepherd, then you will listen to his voice. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. So why don't we all stop talking about how the weather is getting cold and how the days are getting old but instead start talking about what we have been learning from God's word. How good would that be? Why don't we speak God's word more often so that we can hear the voice of the good shepherd more often? And it's not an easy thing to do because some people might not like talking to us anymore. They might start avoiding us because they know that we're going to ask them what did you think about the sermon? And they're going to say, yeah, it was good. I'm going to have some morning tea now. But love is self-sacrificial. We lay down our pride and our comfort to feed others. Let's not be like the hired hand and just care about ourselves. Let's care for each other. We don't want any of God's sheep to be stolen or be scattered. We want all sheep to experience the love and intimacy of the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for us. So let's listen and follow the voice of the Good Shepherd and lay down our lives for each other. Let's ask the Good Shepherd to help us to do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for Jesus. Thank you that he is the gate, and through him we can have access to you and have life. We thank you that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, that he is not like the hired hand, And he lays down his life for us. Father, we ask that you help us to listen, to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and to follow him by laying down our lives for each other. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen.